The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transformed their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Now, most people would agree that in order for businesses to compete globally in the 21st century, we have to be innovative. We have to be creative. Yet most of us, myself included a lot of times, continue to be trapped by left brain thinking or you might refer to it as logical thinking. And time and time again, it fails to get us the results that we want. But our guest today is thought leader, strategist, and author Bill Donius. Bill's first book, Thought Revolution, How to Unlock Your Inner Genius, debuted last year by making all the major bestseller lists, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Publishers Weekly, I could go on. He writes for the Huffington Post and is also working on a second book. Thought Revolution begins where other books in the field end, and it offers a proven, easy method for finding your creativity by tapping into your right brain. Bill is here today to talk about how following his process can disrupt complacency and conventional thinking in the business world. Welcome to the show today, Bill. Thank you, Kelly, and what a great introduction. I'm glad I'm glad you've said all that, because uh, I have to say perhaps less now. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. You you are actually uh, somebody I've been looking forward to talking with for a long time. Um, one of the things that you do say is that your book begins where other books in this area end. I mean, there's a lot of books out there about logical thinking and left and right brain, but how is your book different? Well, that's a great question, and I had the privilege to introduce on Thursday of last week Daniel Pink, who wrote a fantastic book that is big in the space uh, about the right brain, and I think it actually establishes the reason why right brain thinking is important and it's becoming more popular and sort of more known. Uh, his book, A Whole New Mind, sets forth why we really need in this conceptual age, why we really need the right brain, which is the source of creativity, intuition, uh, pro- and problem solving, which is a really important aspect and my book is the how-to, and, and what I mean by that, it, it sets forth uh, how to tap into the right brain and get that stuff. And it was Roger Sperry's discovery for which he won a Nobel Prize for in 1981 that, that our brain is divided and that we actually have, strangely enough, two hemispheres which are completely independent. Now, they, they, scientists know that they're connected, by the by the limbic system and by the the other connectors that uh that are between them but essentially they're they're independent so it is possible that we that we can get this whole separate set of answers you know and through this other part of the brain sure the, now, the corpus callosum is the other connector that I was thinking of that connects the left and right so we you know, we have a whole mind, but, but scientists also know that 
there are two different hemispheres. Right, and you said something interesting. Okay, so first of all, the left brain is the logical side. It's the rational side. The right side is the more uh, creative thinking side. But you also pointed out that it is also the problem-solving side. And so many times, uh, people who are who are creative thinkers, who are right brain, brain thinkers, are dismissed as being dreamers. And I, so I, I was. Uh, very excited to hear you say that right brain thinking can lead to solutions as well. Why do we tend to rely so heavily on the left brain? I mean, it does seem to dominate, particularly in business. Well, if you consider the the you know last hundreds of years or even thousands of years, we've gone through you know what was a agrarian society where you know to be successful in that society you know to be logical and analyzed and 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 organized and it was helpful right and and that was also good through the industrial age even into the information ages so we're spanning you know hundreds thousands of years there but those skills in a conceptual age where ideas innovation are important and where these big industries are being disrupted if you if you think of you know apple computer coming along and over a 30 some odd year period becoming the world's most valuable company by disrupting what was happening in the computer space by introducing new products uh obviously the iphone the ipad uh disrupting the way we connect and get information um, and then that's also true in, in with if you think of Facebook and Google and, and these brand new companies that just come out of the blue, you know it's it, it's no longer logical that that those companies would have just happened onto the scene. They were they came from a different place and were very innovative ideas that in some cases we you know we really it's not it wasn't a logical progression to get to those places so. It really sets forth why, in this new era of concept, conceptual thinking, we really need the right brain. But it's very hard to get to for most of us. And I spent 20 years as a banker, as a bank CEO, in fact, and mm-hmm. grew my bank uh, during that time. And banking, of uh, perhaps more than any other industry, is so logical because yes. you know everything has to add up literally. And yet, to be successful in banking, you know, to be innovative is a plus. And and these skills helped me over the 20 years that I was there and, and grow the bank and, and perhaps do a better job than I would have if I had just been completely applying the logical skill set. So I think it's really, it's not an either or, but it's an and. We need the mm-hmm. left brain skills and we need the right brain skills. Okay, so you were a very successful banker, CEO and chairman of Pulaski Bank for many, many, many years. Uh, how did you what, – what was the path that led you to this field? Obviously, you you stumbled onto something, or perhaps it was very purposeful. You said that you, you discovered that you could tap into your right brain. Was that something yeah. that you really worked at, or did you just kind of start observing what was going on when you – did finally tap into your right brain and, and see patterns. How did that all work out? Well, it it came from a place of weakness because I realized that certain things in my personal life weren't working all that well, and specifically the relationships that I was having in my personal life were, weren't as, as, as good or as productive as they could be, and other things were going great in my life, such as the business and the company was growing and all this, and and so I, it was my therapist, actually, that handed me a book uh, on this process. 
that really helped me tap into my right brain, and it was in the psychological space. And so I figured out that it was so helpful in my personal life that I thought, gosh, and it actually took me a couple of years to think, I wonder if this could work in business because I didn't see anything applying this in business. And so I started using this as a way, uh, this methodology as a way of tapping into my right brain to try to help me in business decisions I was facing. And I found it was very useful. And it was, and it was also so quick uh, that it was a very fast way of essentially getting a second opinion uh, and getting a more, as it turned out, a more innovative, more creative, more intuitive opinion. And when I saw things written down on the page validating what might have been a kind of fleeting thought or an intuitive thought, as a banker, I think seeing it in writing sort of validated that it was important and worthwhile. So uh, I started incorporating this into my kind of everyday business life. It was very helpful. I wasn't actually talking much about it because it is a public company CEO. It's a rather unusual, somewhat unorthodox process, but it was right. it, indeed was very helpful. Okay, so so you you started writing this process down. Tell us about your process. You say that it's something that you you can actually make yourself start thinking this way. It's not you don't have to sit around and wait for inspiration to to strike. Using your method, you can within a matter of minutes or less, you can be thinking this way. Can you tell us about your process? Sure, and it's it's very inconvenient, right, to have to wait in the shower for that great idea to occur. I actually know somebody, uh, as I've gone around the country talking about this, somebody related that they one of their favorite habits is to spend a couple hours, uh, I don't know if they do this every day, but a, a couple hours at a time in the shower. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, so just for most of us, that. Yeah. yeah. And for most of us, that's inconvenient. It's also inconvenient to drive down the country road with the music playing at just the right, you know, the right kind of music, the right time and right place. And but it, there's some lessons learned in neuroscience about why that's the case, and that's that when our brain is focused on something else, it's called the default mode network, we're more likely to have a creative idea because our brain is busy and our left brain is kind of focused in, on a task, mm-hmm. and so it allows the kind of right brain to kind of free up. So much like that, this process works on demand, and the way it works is it is, is, it is strange, uh, but it, it's been out there in the art world and in the psychological world uh, based on the, uh, the big books, uh, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain, which was published mm-hmm. in 1970, and then other books from Lucia Capacnione in the 80s uh, in the psychological space all rely on the same concept, which is a derivative from Roger Sperry's initial Nobel Prize winning discovery, and that's that we can, in fact, tap in by using our non-dominant hand. So be whether we're left or right-handed in the dominant way, if we use the non-dominant hand and use the process described in the book. So it's not a, it's not a writing process. It is actually a thinking process. So what happens is the, we allow the neural synapses to occur from the right hemisphere of the brain and travel down through the non-dominant hand and onto the page. Mm-hmm. So we're actually in that process capturing the independence of thought that occurs in the right hemisphere. 
And that is the really, and it's it, it's something that you really have to experience to believe. And 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 it, but it actually works. And I've seen, you know, I've seen it work over four thousand times in the work that I've done now around the country and in and in companies uh, where I'm doing ideation sessions. Uh, so people can learn it uh, within an hour, and then they're applying it to products, processes, problems in their companies and getting different answers than they would typically get in a conventional brainstorming session because they're invoking and using the right hemisphere of the brain rather than just a typical kind of more left hemisphere-driven kind of brainstorming session. So does it matter what you write? I mean, I know you said it's a thinking process. It's not a writing process. So I'm curious, does it matter what I, when I pick up that pencil with my non-dominant hand, does it matter what it is that I start writing? I mean, what is it that oh, yeah. I'm focused on? Oh, yeah, on? it does. And the, it's, it works in a Socratic process. So what you might be, once you learn how to do this, you might be uh, asking, you know, a, 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 a important baseline question might be, how can I improve the profitability of my company? Okay. So if you if you thought about that question, um, you might you know start brainstorming around that question. In a traditional method, you would either talk out loud or you would write down some ideas about how you could do that, mm-hmm. and then you'd ha- and then you'd have your answers, and some of them may be good, some of them may be so so, and then what you would do is you would also turn to the non-dominant hand, and and, you, and to the hardest part about this, which is an easy process, but the difficult part is you have to suspend disbelief. So you have okay. to believe that it is, in fact, possible that an idea can originate in your right hemisphere, it can travel through the neural pathways in our body into the non-dominant hand and onto the page. And so you have to read the question and just basically not think about it and trust that an answer will flow forth. So that is, it's, so it's not just writing it; it's it's actually thinking it and allowing the answer to show up in in visible form on the page. So it's it's easy essentially, but it's it, it's it's a little bit harder than it sounds because you have to you kind of have to let your brain flatline for a moment to allow something to just pop up and, and right. be recorded onto the page. Yeah, no, but I thought what I found – oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I, what I was going to ask you, and I want to come back to your thought there, but one of the things that I, I need a little bit of clarity on, so often you hear that the uh, left brain is associated with right-handedness and that the right it, – it's kind of like near and far-sighted. It's just the opposite of what you think. And that the uh, left hand is considered right brain dominant. So if if I'm doing your exercise and I'm already left-handed, in other words, predisposed to creative thinking, to use my left hand, would that bring out logical answers or help me there? That's a great question. And frankly, I did five years of research in this area, speaking to psychologists, neuroscientists, reading uh, probably about 20 books and and then met with eight or nine neuroscientists, five or so psychologists, and the jury's out. Uh, there, There is a division in thinking about what is actually happening there. Uh, I think about half would say that, that if you're right-handed, you're typically tapping into the left hemisphere of your brain, which is generally the left hemisphere controls all of the, the right 
side functions in your body. And then consequently, if you're left-handed, you are, as you suggested, already tapping into uh, the right, more creative part of your brain. And, and there's a lot of evidence to that. And I think that that left-handed people are only uh, 8% of the population. And in the 200 or so people that I interviewed, I would say that that generally seems to be the case, that left-handed people are, in fact, more creative, more intuitive, you know, operating differently on a kind of different rhythm. Uh, not better, not worse, just different. And But there is another group of scientists that would say that it's the non-dominant hand, regardless of, of handedness, the non-dominant hand, so the opposite hand, is that neural pathway into the right brain. And I've seen some evidence of that as well. So I, I, I you know, it's, it's, uh, I guess you can believe it, uh, whatever you want. Okay. Well, I just know, I mean, personally, I'm left-handed, but I can also write. I wouldn't say I'm ambidextrous because I'm still not real comfortable writing with my right hand, but I can, when needed, uh, write with my right hand. It's just a little bit slower, but totally legible, and I can keep up. And so what about, and, and you know, my gross motor skills, like hitting a baseball or uh, you know, something like that, I, I tend to lean towards my right. So am I just a totally confused person? Or no, I mean, is, I, there research I, that, <laughs> is there research that shows um, something different about people who use both sides? Well, my personal belief is that ambidextrous people will rule the world. <laughs> and, 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 and I discovered that uh, along the way that Leonardo da Vinci could, in fact, write with his one one hand, whichever was dominant, and but also at the same time paint with the other oh simultaneously. simultaneously. Wow. wow. And I did, I did uncover one person along the way who's a famous novelist that I interviewed for the in the research part of the book, and she writes all of her manuscripts long-handed with her right hand, mm-hmm. but then simultaneously is able to edit with her left hand in the margins. Mm. Yeah, that is a, that really is a skill. I mean, you you think about uh, it just just the, the motor skills that you need to to be able to do those things simultaneously. Much less you've got the left and right brain, the logical versus the creative thinking going on there too. It, that's uh, pretty remarkable. You were talking about your research before I interrupted you a couple of minutes ago. You were talking about your research, and you had said that you have, you know, in your work you've had 4,000 examples or 4,000 cases. I'm curious to know, with the people that you've worked with, and I know you go around the country talking about this, uh, showing people how to use your tool, what are some of the real results that you've seen, particularly when it comes to business? Can you give us some examples of the type of thinking, uh, concrete examples of the kinds of thinking that that is unleashed by doing this exercise, problems that have been solved, uh, that that type of thing? Absolutely, Kelly, great question. Um, because in business, right, it's about, and being a banker and being a CEO, I'm about the bottom line and getting results. And to that point, uh, companies typically get uh, four to six what I would call big ideas. And big meaning they're able, those ideas are so significant that they're able to either dramatically grow the company, transform the company, provide an insight that's sort of revolutionary that will generate at least a 20% bottom line increase. Mm-hmm. So something kind of big and different and, and energizing. 
Um, it's also, in one case, a company was able to unlock the reason why they were unsuccessful at selling eyewear at the upper end of the market. So they operate a chain of stores uh, throughout the Midwest, and they sell a lot of eyeglasses, but they were not particularly successful at selling at the upper end, and they discovered why in this four-hour session with 43 of their managers present. Uh, And what's significant about this is that they had met every summer, every year, and spent, uh, you know, time figuring out how to improve the company. And for 16 years, this problem was unresolved. Wow. So they solved it. They solved it. And what I like about this is that when you, you know, it's the power of a group, when you get 43 managers or 12 managers or whatever the number is, eight managers, I've worked with 200 managers, all in the room and all thinking, they're all learning something new, and they're all able to tap into a part of the brain they weren't able to tap into, it's very powerful because you're getting all these ideas that otherwise are in the subconscious that they can't quite get out onto the page that they're now able to all together, and then they're able to combine left and right brain skills to figure out what makes the most sense, what, what's going to work, what's, what's gonna, how something is going to resolve. Uh, I work with a big global company that for five years had a problem that was unresolved, and they were able to, the 12 of them convening from all around the world, were able to come together, figure out not only why they hadn't solved it, but they came up with two solutions that they were going to take to their board of directors. So we often think that if a problem's uh, really difficult, that it's going to take a long time to fix it. <laughs> and I found that what's great about the right brain is a lot of times this work happens very quickly. You know, it's these, it's these aha moments, these dramatic insights that we get. And the good news is they, they happen fast and, and they happen on demand. So we don't have to be, you know, in the shower or in the car. And that's what's really exciting is that our brains are so powerful. And I think it explains why, you know, certain people have these breakthrough insights and then go on to start the Facebooks, the, the Googles, the, the Apples, and these breakthrough companies and these breakthrough apps that we're seeing is that, you know, people are learning how to think differently and capture these moments. And I think it's really about capturing what's there in the in the right brain and then blending it with the certainly with the logical analytical skills that the left brain so it's it's not an either or but it's learning how to use our whole mind better and more effectively yes exactly and sometimes as you have said before sometimes it's right there in front of us we just fail to tap into it and that that just makes me uh think about some of the the other people who play in this space who talk about creativity and innovation, and they say, you know, it's not it, to be disruptive, to come up with something new and creative, doesn't necessarily mean starting from scratch. Sometimes there's, you know, there's a couple of things right in front of you that always have been, and the, the brilliance is being able to marry the two to create something new. It's not. You know, totally right. new. It's, it's, it's taking a couple of things that already exist, perhaps, and you know that that's one of the things that Steve Jobs was brilliant at doing. And uh, it's it, it's to be able to have a tool like yours to call that up and, and do it on demand is absolutely okay. amazing. Yeah. What, whatever. Well, I, I spent 35 years in business, and what inspired me to to go forth and write so this book you, is that later, I, I can't uncover anything that worked better in those 35 years. And so 
I oh, thought that this to... tool deserved to be out in, in business rather than just in art schools and in the psychological uh, spaces. So we, we need it in business. We need to grow in a globally competitive world. As you said, it's tougher, it's harder. We have to do things faster, better, more with more innovation. We need better ideas, bigger ideas. So this how-to method, I think, is, is, is the, you know, it, it just works. It's the best thing that I discovered in my 35 years. Out of curiosity, uh, one of the things that you, you, you refer to groups of managers that you've worked with, but out of curiosity, is this a tool that can be used throughout an organization uh, with frontline workers, with any really up and down the organization? Does it, is it confined to managers, or can anybody? Use oh, no. Not, I've, I, in fact, I've worked with teams where every single person in the company was present, whether that was 12 people or 20 people or 30 people or 200 people, uh, yeah, it's because it, it, it's at its uh, basis, it's just a thinking tool. It's a, it's a methodology to help us think differently, and it's a literal way of thinking differently. Sometimes, you know, we're admonished to think outside the box, but then we're not told how to do it. We're, right. Somebody's just saying at the front of the room, think outside the box, mm-hmm. which, sounds, which sounds great, but what's missing is the how. How do we yeah. do it? And this is the how. This is a how to do it version of that. Well, Bill, as we close here today, I want to make sure that we leave our listeners with the ability to find out more about that how, to read your book, get a copy of it, read it, and start applying this. Where do they go to find your book? Well, they can go to any independent bookstore. They can go to Amazon. Um, They can basically go anywhere books are sold. There's more information on my website, williamdonius, D-O-N-I-U-S dot com. There's more information on my Facebook page for the book, uh, Thought Revolution, How to Unlock Your Inner Genius Facebook page. I have a LinkedIn profile, so it's the work is out there. Okay, so Bill's book, Thought Revolution, How to Unlock Your Inner Genius, get it at your local bookstore, Amazon. You can go out to Bill's website at williamdonius D-O-N-I-U-S dot com. Get a copy. You can link up with him through uh, Facebook, Twitter, and all the different social media tools as well so that you can stay abreast. You've got a blog too, right? Yes. it's. Uh, I write for the Huffington Post, uh, so you can find me under Bill Donius on the Huffington Post. And, um, and most of those uh, pieces I uh, transfer over to my website as well so they can be found there. Okay. Well, Bill, it's been wonderful talking with you today, and uh, best of luck with all your endeavors. Thanks so much, Kelly. It was a really enjoyable experience. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.